1: Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
2: And I am your co-host, Austin.
1: And we are both recovering from being sick, along with everyone else in the world, because I know there's like so much crap going around, but... So my voice sucks. Yeah. He probably won't talk too much during this episode, but But I hope you do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Austin, um, the Casey Anthony documentary comes out tomorrow on Peacock
2: crazy ass. I'm going to watch this one with you.
1: Are you really? Yeah. You really are going to watch it with me? Yeah, I'm invested. Okay. So like After all this, I'm invested.
2: I think she's nuts.
1: I'm going to watch it like as soon as I drop the kids off at school. Like I have nothing planned. No,
2: I'm going to work. Right. And you're going to watch it with me at night.
1: Sure. Like for the second time. Okay. I'll re-watch it with you by my side. Of course. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm eager to see what all she comes out with. I mean, I already know what she's alleging, but how they made a three-part documentary series. I think it's three parts. How they made a multi-part documentary series on her story. Like, what could she possibly have to say? I don't know. We're going to find out. Mm -hmm. But this is part three of our Casey Anthony series. So in part two... We discussed the 31 days that Kaylee was missing, and we ended the episode with the 911 calls that Cindy made to the police after discovering that Kaylee was, in fact, missing. So let me just reiterate, Cindy made the call, not Casey.
2: And Casey sounded like an idiot. Yeah. She said, I was looking for myself. Which was stupid. For 30 days, which was stupid.
1: Girl, it's not just stupid. It's wildly irresponsible. It's neglectful. It's it's unlawful. Like puts you at fault. What? So anyway, to pick up where we left off, it is July 15th, 2008. And Casey has given the police her official statement regarding her missing daughter. That same night, everyone is scrambling at the Anthony home and Lee goes through Casey's phone to find the phone number for Jeffrey Hopkins. So as we know, Jeff Hopkins is the guy who Casey alleged introduced her to Zenaida. And he's also who she said she was staying with in Jacksonville. So there was only one contact in Casey's phone by that name. So Lee calls it and Jeff answers. And Jeff is completely blindsided. He says he ran into her um, at a bar a few weeks ago but prior to that had not seen her in years so like what are the chances that she runs into this guy she went to school with that's how she thought of the name jeff hopkins mm-hmm. um, so she went to middle school or high school with this guy hadn't seen him in years and then after kaylee goes missing she runs into him at a bar and he unbeknownst to him she's been saying that this is the guy that introduced her to zanita years ago
2: that's crazy
1: it's a tangled web she weaves So that same night, Lee goes to Tony's apartment to retrieve more of Casey's things, including her backpack and her laptop. That same night, after he brings the laptop back, the search history is cleared from the computer. So somebody tried to erase the search history from the computer. And we talked about this in the last episode, that the searches for foolproof suffocation that were made the day Kaylee went missing weren't discovered until six years after the trial was already over. But that was part of what was attempted to be erased from the computer.
2: But they used the wrong browser.
1: Well, when they did the search, they used the wrong browser. But what I'm saying is somebody attempted that night to erase what was on the laptop. Okay. And I think it's safe to assume it was Casey mm-hmm. because now the police are getting involved. Police are at her house. So she's trying to clean her tracks. Yep. So the night of July 15th creeps into the early morning hours of July 16th, and Casey is being interviewed by detectives. She's sticking to her story that on June 9th, between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m., which is a huge gap, by the way, but regardless, she's saying on June 9th, she dropped Kaylee off at Zenaida's apartment. She describes the apartment complex and the exact location of the apartment, but mind you, June 9th. It's been proven that Casey had Kaylee with her when she went and picked up Tony from school and then took him to an auto repair shop to pick up his Jeep Cherokee. After that, they all went to Subway to eat and Casey paid for the three of them. And obviously, Cindy had Kaylee on Father's Day. So it's just another lie. But more than that, it's a lie that provokes an even bigger question, which is how do you not know The day you saw your daughter last. And we're not just off by like one or two days. We're off by like seven days. A week, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this initial interview is all recorded by Detective Melich. She's detailing her job at Universal, and she keeps saying the, she keeps saying Zenaida with like a Spanish accent. She says, Zenaida, like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that makes it more realistic.
1: Exactly. It really bugs me because it's just like another tactic of hers to try and expand on these lies. And it's like another minor detail that she chooses to add to just make her seem more believable, but it really bugs me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Detective Mellich asks if she has told anyone about Kaylee in the last 31 days, and she says yes. She's talked to Jeffrey Hopkins and Juliette Lewis, and she's tried to call Zenida and her mom multiple times, but of course we know now none of those people exist. Then he asked the question we all want to know, which is why in those 31 days did she not call 911 herself? It wasn't even her that called. It was Cindy, like I said. So why wait? She said, quote, I think part of me was naive enough to think that I could handle this myself, which obviously I couldn't, and I was scared something might happen to her if I did notify the authorities or got the media involved, end quote. So after this interview, Detective Melich takes Casey to a few different locations, including Universal Studios. In an excerpt from Jeff Ashton's book, Imperfect Justice, he writes, quote, The scene at the security gate was almost comical. Sergeant Allen and Detective Wells followed Casey's directions to the Universal Employee parking lot and kept pace as she walked directly to the employee gate. Everybody except the guard knew that Casey was not an employee there. Casey approached the security guard and informed him that she had forgotten her ID card. He took her name and ran it through the computer When he informed her that they had no record of her, she persisted, stating emphatically that she worked there. The guard requested the name of her supervisor, which she provided. He ran that name and again was able to find it in the computer. The three cops watched the scene unfold, each intrigued to see how and when Casey would relent. She had completely committed to a lie that had no chance of being true, and she knew it and they knew it.
2: What an idiot. <laughs> she just keeps getting dumber and dumber.
1: It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. So she's arguing with this security guard that she's an employee there. He's not buying any of it. And then finally, one of the officers presented his ID to the guard to allow them to enter the premises. So the guard lets them through. And Casey walks confidently through this maze of hallways and office buildings within Universal Studios. But finally, she comes to a dead end, and she just stops. She turns to the cops and says, okay, I don't work here. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we no. know. It. <laughs> yes. So at that point, they go into a little conference room within the building, and here is a clip from the recording of that interview.
3: Everything you've told me so far has been a lie. I, I can tell you that with a certainty, and-, and let me explain why. Since I left you this morning, mm-hmm. I've gone to every address that you've told me. I've looked up every name. I've talked to every person that you, you, you wanted me to talk to or try to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've reached out. I've talked to your ex boyfriend. I've talked to Amy. Uh, I've talked to Tony. Um, I came over here. I've already talked to all the employees. Mm-hmm. I found out all these names that you're giving me are people that either never worked here or have been fired here for a long time ago. Okay? So. Where we are right now is in a position that doesn't look very good for you, mm-hmm. and this is going to be your, your escape hatch, so to speak. This is going to be the point where you stop all the lies, and you stop all, all the fibs and you tell us exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm just being, you know, being straight with you, because yeah. obviously I know, and you know, that everything you've told me is a lie, correct? Not everything that I told you. Okay. Uh, pretty much everything that you've told me, including where Kaylee is right now. That, I still, I don't know where she is. Sure you do. And here, here's, listen, let me, let, me, where let, me, let me explain something. Together, a combined experience in this room, we all have about 30 years of doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay, Both myself and Sergeant John Allen worked for the Homicide Division for several years. Several people, we, we've, we've conducted well, thousands of interviews between the three of us. You know, Happy's got 20 years, so just between the three of us, we've got several years. And I can tell you for a certainty that right now, Looking at you, I know that everything that you've told me is a lie, including the fact that you know, your, your child was last seen about a month ago and that you don't know where she is. See, I, I, I'm very confident just by having talked to you this short period of time that you know where she is. I don't. You, you, you do. And here's the thing we need to get past that because we can sit here and go back and forth all day long about I don't, I do, I don't, I do. It's pretty obvious that with everything that you've told us, nothing has been the truth. You know where she is now. My question to you is, is this: We need to find Kaylee. I understand that right now, Kaylee may not be in very good shape. You understand what I'm saying? She may not be the way we or what your family last remembers her. We need to find out from you where Kaylee is. This, this, this right now is just. This is going so far downhill, and this has become such a mess that we need to end it it's very simple we just need to end it
1: i agree with you i have no clue where she is sure you if do. i knew
4: in any sense where she was this wouldn't have happened at all you,
3: you it know, wouldn't have happened listen, whatsoever this the stuff about, about Zanny, the, 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 the caretaker or, or the nanny taking care of it it's not the truth because it wasn't the apartment complex there's no person that ever lived there by that name the apartment's been vacant since march that same apartment now the apartment that you pointed out to me the two-story apartment that's an old folks home it's right across the street from your ex-boyfriend's house, who you never mentioned. And you said you wrote the address down because it was across the street. That's a lie, because I've already talked to him, and you know, we've already been by the house, and we've already, you know, looked at everything we need to look at over there. Okay. Everything you told us is a lie. Well, now, there's a couple of ways that this goes. Right now, we can, you know, we—I've never met you before, so I can look at you in one of a couple of ways. Okay. I can look at you as a person who's scared, who's concerned. And who's kind of afraid of what's going to happen because of something bad that happened before, or we can look at you as cold, callous, and a monster who doesn't care, who's just trying to get away with something that that something bad that happened and trying to cover it up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those two options.
2: So I'm really glad they're calling her on her bullshit because I was thinking, shouldn't everybody catch on? And I was worried that they weren't going to. So. That was a refreshing interview. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it didn't stick since I know the outcome, but...
1: Well, I think it did stick, but it was just... And we'll get to that. We're going to get to the whole trial and the way the jury essentially failed this whole case, but um, we will get to that. Mm -hmm. So that day, Casey is allowed to go home and she starts texting her boyfriend, Tony, and I want to read to you this conversation, and I had to dig to find this conversation. This is what I got excited about that one day mm-hmm. because it took me forever to find it, but I knew it was important. So Tony texts Casey and she he says, "Where is Kaylee?" Casey says, "I honestly don't know." Tony says, "I don't know. Are you serious? When did you find out?" Casey says, "'Been filling out reports all night and driving around with multiple officers looking at old apartments I had taken her to. I am the worst fucking person in the world. I don't know what I'll do if something happens to her.'" He. So at one point he said, when did you find out? So she's responding to that previous text saying, too long. Let's just leave it at that. Tony says, "'Why wouldn't you tell me of all people? I was your boyfriend that cares about you and your daughter." doesn't make sense to me. Why would you lie to me thinking she was fine and with your nanny? Casey said, I lied to everyone. What was I supposed to say? I trusted my daughter with some psycho. How does that look? Tony says, I don't know what to say. I just hope your daughter is okay, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help your family and the cops. Casey says, I was put in handcuffs for almost 10 minutes and sat in the back of a cop car. The best thing and most important person in my life is missing. And God only knows if I'm ever going to see her again. I am the dumbest person and the worst mother. I honestly hate myself. The most important thing is getting Kaylee back. I truly hope that you can forgive me. Granted, I will never be able to forgive myself, nor will my family.
2: And all these years later, she's doing a Fucking documentary. Mm -hmm.
1: Tony says, who is this zanny nanny person? Casey said, someone I had met through a personal friend almost four years ago. She used to be my buddy Jeff's nanny before she became mine. I'm scared. Tony says, are you home? She says, yeah, almost 12 hours of stuff. Finally getting a shower. I feel like hell. Tony says, where did you drop off Kaylee last time you saw her? Casey said, at her apartment at the bottom of the stairs. Tony says, specifically where? She says, Sawgrass Apartments. Have told and showed the police the apartment, told them and drove out there with two different officers. I just got back from the second drive. Casey says, if they don't find her, guess who gets blamed and spends an eternity in jail? Tony says, yeah, no shit. This is serious. Why would you say something sooner about this to anyone? Oh, and why are you texting me and not calling? Casey says, I talked to two people that have been directly connected to Zanny. How can I sit there and be so blind and stupid? It's all my fault. I was scared to admit it. I was scared something was going to happen to my baby. This conversation is so telling to me because Casey is obviously concerned with one person and it is herself. Mm-hmm. She says I was put in handcuffs for almost 10 minutes and sat in the back of a cop car. I'm scared. Guess Finally who gets getting a shower. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like hell if they don't find her, guess who gets blamed and spends an eternity in jail. I cringe when I read it and all I see is this 22-year-old pick-me girl who is so desperate to have a boyfriend and a social life that nothing else matters, not even her two-year-old daughter. She is so desperate for him to comfort her when she's like, I'm scared. I'm sure she wanted him to be like, I'm coming to you, babe. I'm coming. I'm going to comfort you. Mm -hmm. But he is not giving in. And I applaud him for seeing through her bullshit in that moment when he says, I'll do what I can to help your family and the cops. And I was your boyfriend. I feel like it's this subtle way of him saying, we're done. You messed up. And you better pray that your daughter is okay."
2: Mm
1: So at 4.30 p.m. that day, Casey is arrested and charged with child neglect, making false statements, and obstructing an investigation. In her mugshot, she's wearing the blue hoodie that she purchased from Target with one of Amy's checks. Nice. At this point, media is beginning to swirl around this story, and Kaylee's picture is getting broadcast all over the news. Cindy and George are interviewed by several different stations, and they cooperate to get the word out about Kaylee. Casey sees or hears part of one of those interviews, and she brings it up during her first jail phone call with her mom, Cindy. And, of course, I have it. So I'm going to play that clip for you now. Casey? Mom. Hey, sweetie.
4: Oh, I just saw your nice little cameo on TV. Which one? What do you mean, which one? Which one? I did four different ones, and I don't know. I haven't seen them all. I've only seen one or two so far. You don't know what my involvement is in stuff? Casey, mom. What? No, I don't know what your involvement is, sweetheart. You you're not telling me where she's at. Because I don't f***ing know where she's at. Are you kidding me? Casey, don't waste your call. No. Raymond my call sitting in? Oh, the the jail. Whose and fault is bunks are? Whose fault is you sitting in the jail? You're blaming me that you're sitting in the jail. Not Blame my yourself fault. for telling lies. You mean it's not your fault? What well, do you mean it's not your fault, sweetheart? If you'd have told him the truth. They're not lied about everything. They wouldn't do me a favor. Just tell me what Tony's number is. I don't want to talk to you right now. Forget it. I don't have his number. Um, we'll get it from Lee because I know Lee's at the house. I saw Mallory's car was out front. It was just on the news. They were just live outside the house. I know they were. Well. Well. Can you get Tony's number for me so I can call him? Hey. Hey. Can you give me Tony's number? I. I can't do that. I don't know what.
0: Real good. It's going to do you at this point.
4: Well, I'd like to talk to them anyway, because I called to talk to my mother and it's it's waste. Oh, by the way, I don't want any of you coming up here when I have my my first hearing for bond and everything else. Like, don't even waste your time coming up
0: here. You know, you're having a real tough, you're making it real tough for anybody to want to try to, even if she was giving you, you somebody's phone number, you're not even letting me finish. Well, like, well, I really, let's go ahead. you're asking me, first you're asking me for Tony's phone number so you can call him, and then you immediately want to start pressing towards me and saying, don't even worry about coming up here for all this stuff and trying to cut us out. I'm what?
4: not trying to cut anybody
0: out. I'm not going around and around with you, you know, that's, that's pretty pointless. I'm not going to go through, I'm not going to put everybody else through the same stuff that you've been putting the police and everybody else through the last 24 hours and the stuff you've been putting mom through for the last four or five weeks. I'm done with that. So you can tell me what's going on. Christina would love to talk to you because she thinks that you will tell her what's going on. Frankly, we're going to find out. Something, whatever's going on, is going to be found out. So, why not do it now? Save There's yourself nothing to
4: find it. out. There's absolutely nothing to find out. And that's even what I told the detective.
0: Well, you know, everything I you keep telling no them is Kaylee.
4: why. If I knew where Kaylee was, do you think any of this would be happening?
0: No. Anyway, you only got a couple minutes for this, so I'm not going to let you clear the way through. So here's Christina, she can shoot you. No,
4: no, I want Tony's number. I'm not talking to anybody else. Hello. Huh? Hi, I'm glad everybody's at my house. I'll have to call you later. I'll have to call somebody to get your number. Do me a favor, get my brother back because I need Tony's number. Okay. Um. Is there anything I can do for you? I'm sitting in jail. There's nothing anybody can do right now. Well, I'm just trying to be... Oh, I know you are, honey. I, I absolutely know that you are. And I appreciate everything that you're trying to do, but I'm, I'd like to call Tony. He's not at my house, is he? No, okay. no. It's just me and your parents and Lee. Okay. Well, can you do me a favor and get my brother back or get the number from him, please? Um, do, does Tony have anything to do with Kaylee? No, nothing. Okay, so why do you want to talk to Tony? You probably don't want to tell me, do you? Huh? You probably don't want to tell me, do you? What do you? I didn't hear what you said. I said, does Tony have anything to do with Kaylee? No, Tony had nothing to do with Kaylee. Oh, so why do you want to talk to him? Because he's my boyfriend and I won't actually try to sit and talk to him because I didn't get a chance to talk to him earlier because I got arrested on whim today because they're blaming me for stuff that I never would do, that I didn't do. Okay. well, I'm on nobody. I'm on your side, you know that. Right? Oh, honey, I, I know that. I just want to talk to Tony and get a little bit of... Wait, uh, Casey, uh, you have to tell me if you know anything about Kaylee. If anything if I, happens with like Kaylee, Casey, I'll die. If you understand? I'll die. <laughs> if anything oh, happens to well. that baby. Oh, my God. Calling you guys? A waste. Huge waste. Honey, I love you. You know, I would not let anything happen to my daughter. If I knew where she was, this wouldn't be going on. Well, how come everybody's saying you're lying? Because nobody's listening to anything that I'm saying. The media completely misconstrued everything that I said. Detectives told them. They got all of their information from me, yet at the same time, they're twisting stuff. They've already said they're going to pin this on me if they don't find Kaylee.
1: Crazy. I hate her. (laughs) See, this is exactly why I hate her too.
2: Yeah, I don't even want to hear bullshit anymore.
1: So Lee is who was talking on the phone before Christina got on. So Lee is her brother. Christina is a friend of hers that has kids the same age and they would often play together. Christina would watch Kaylee for Casey sometimes. And it really, it shocks me that Christina's getting upset and crying, saying, if anything happens to that baby, I'll die. And Casey's like, oh my God, you're so annoying. Calling you guys like, a waste. Right. I mean, it that like really, really baffles me.
2: And she just keeps going, honey, sweetheart.
1: Yeah, the way she flips yeah. so quickly between being aggressive and agitated to being soft and honey, sweetheart and whatever, that also to me is like a huge red flag. Casey is arguably more concerned with getting her boyfriend's phone number than she is trying to find her missing daughter. And she's like this petulant child arguing with everyone who is just concerned about her daughter. Everyone obviously cares way more about Kaylee than Casey does. So the next day, July 17th, Casey has her first court appearance, and the judge denies her bail, saying that she showed a woeful disregard for the welfare of her child, and then Casey is able to retain Jose Baez as a lawyer. So investigators also tracked down Zenaida Gonzalez, this unfortunate woman who had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. And I can't even imagine her fear of being accused of stealing a child she's never met or heard of. But thankfully, she's cleared and never arrested or charged with anything.
2: Have you seen any interviews of, with, with her? Like, is she just completely clueless?
1: So later on, and I'll I'll touch on this, but she does sue Casey, for good, yeah. For essentially defamation, but sh- the case gets dismissed.
2: So are you gonna get to this? But like, what do they do when they address to Casey? They say, "Hey, is Zenaida- has nothing to do with this.
1: So her argument, and I I didn't write about this, but I can tell you that her argument was that it's not that Zenaida Gonzalez. They're looking in the Florida database. If they would look in the New York database, they would be able to find her. They're looking at a totally different person with the exact same name.
2: That's what she, so she stuck to it. She stuck to it. So to this day, does she say, I mean, well, I guess now she changed her story, but throughout this whole thing, does she stick to the Zenaida thing?
1: Yeah. As far as I know in this story, now I don't know what she's going to say about Zenaida Gonzalez in this documentary, Mm -hmm. but she has never come out and said, I made Zenaida up. Oh my God. Mm Mm-hmm. So as more bizarre details get released, the bigger the story gets in national media. And as these details get released, the public solidifies their opinion of Casey Anthony. There's one video that really enraged viewers where during a jailhouse phone call, Cindy tells Casey that there were reports suggesting that Kaylee isn't alive anymore. And Casey says, surprise, surprise, and rolls her eyes. On August 11th, 12th, and 13th, a meter reader named Roy Cronk reports a suspicious-looking bag to police. So Roy Cronk was driving this route. He's a meter reader, and he's driving this route in an area near the Anthony's home, and he stopped to relieve himself along a wooded, secluded area. And as he did that, he noticed a suspicious-looking suspicious bag. And obviously, everyone is on high alert because of the Kaylee Anthony disappearance. So he waits at the scene for an officer to arrive to check it out, but nobody ever shows up, so he leaves. That was on the first day. He calls back the next day, and they told him that an officer would meet him out there the next day. So the third day, which would have been the 13th, he shows up. And there's an officer that meets him out there. Roy points to where he saw a bag deeper into the woods. And the officer walks down to the edge of this like watery, swampy area right outside the woods, like the edge of the woods. Mm -hmm. And the officer does not investigate it any further and just completely blows it off. And he's like essentially chastising Roy for getting him out there to like muddy up his shoes and doesn't even doesn't even go into the woods whatsoever. So on August 21st, a bail bondsman named Leonard Padilla pays Casey Anthony's $500,000 bail, and she is released under house arrest. But she's arrested again eight days later on the charges relating to stealing checks from Amy Hazanga. But again, she's released on house arrest. The community was completely outraged by this, and they let the Anthony family know it. They protested outside of their house, night after night, screaming profanities, throwing things at the house, even getting into physical altercations with George and Cindy, all while Casey is cozied up inside the house. No
2: way. Was media outside?
1: Oh, yeah. Media was outside. As
2: I was thinking, were you watching this? Oh,
1: yes. I was watching it. It showed, I mean, night after night, all these people going up to the door, pounding on the door. The part that really bothered me was when... Um, these adults would go up to the door with their kids in tow and be like, your daughter's a baby killer. You're You're the worst parents and just screaming. Did they just keep
2: answering the door?
1: Sometimes they wouldn't answer the door. Sometimes they would come outside and tell them to get off of their property. They would fight. They would threaten them. I mean, it was chaos. Like, I know there's this meme, like the Florida man. If you Google like Florida man, you can like, it'll ring up all these crazy stories of just like the craziest people live in Florida. Uh-huh. And if you think about just Florida's finest coming out to show their distaste for Casey Anthony. Good for them. I mean, I wasn't mad. Yeah. Like I was watching it with my popcorn every night on Nancy Grace. Like, yes, I hope Casey comes outside, which she never did.
2: Cozied up. Take a
1: drink of water. Cause your voice. Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay, so finally in October, forensics from the car were returned showing that there was enough evidence to support a probable cause in the arrest of Casey Anthony for the murder of her child. And on October 14th, Casey Anthony is indicted by a grand jury on charges of first degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and four counts of providing false information to police. She was arrested that same day and held without bond this time. It's also revealed that at this point, she could face the death penalty because that just comes with the first degree murder charge. Now, this is important because this is something that I misunderstood before, and I think I've actually referenced it before on this podcast in regards to Casey's case. But I always thought that the biggest mistake the prosecution made in this case was seeking the death penalty, making it harder to prove her guilt without any evidence of exactly what happened to Kaylee. That evidence was essentially circumstantial, and their theory as to how she died was believable, but it was still just that. It was a theory. However, when I was reading the lead prosecuting attorney's book on this case, Imperfect Justice, by Jeff Ashton... He pointed out that it is ultimately up to the jurors to decide the fate of the defendant. And just because the death penalty is an option does not mean they have to choose it. They could have still found her guilty of first degree murder, but sentenced her to a much lesser sentence. And the jury was very aware of that. So I guess in my mind, I always thought, that that was why they acquitted her was because they couldn't give her the death penalty knowing that there was so many unanswered questions and we would never have the answers to them. But that's actually not the case. And I'll elaborate more on that later when we discuss the acquittal and the trial and all of that. Because I'm
2: curious about that guy who wrote the book and what his thoughts are. Jeff Ashton. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me yet or do you want to tell me later? We'll
1: We'll talk about it at the end. Okay. So on October 21st, Casey pleads not guilty to the charges. Meanwhile, the search for Kaylee continues until finally on December 11th, the remains of a tiny skeleton are discovered only a quarter of a mile from the Anthony home by none other than Roy Cronk, the same meter reader that called back in August. Oh,
2: same spot too, huh? Same spot. Oh.
1: This time, he stopped by the area he'd seen before to relieve himself again, and he saw the bag still in the woods. So this time, he took matters into his own hands to figure out exactly what was in that bag. With the skeletal remains, there was also two plastic trash bags, a canvas material laundry bag, a discolored baby blanket with Winnie the Pooh printed on it, and scattered around the scene were remnants of a child's outfit a pair of oh shorts gosh. with green, orange, and pink stripes, tattered and caked in dirt and debris. Remnants of a child's size 2T pink shirt with letters that spelled out, Big Trouble Comes Small. And there's a photograph of Kaylee wearing this shirt. It actually says, Big Trouble Comes in Small Packages, but those were the only letters that they retrieved from the scene. Mm-hmm. And in this picture, she's wearing this shirt sitting next to her mom who's playing Guitar Hero. And then lastly, there was remnants of a pull-up diaper found nearby also. Most notably, however, was a piece of duct tape that appeared to be holding the jaw and the top of the skull in place. And there was a heart-shaped sticker stuck to the front.
2: Oh my gosh, that's like the worst image ever.
1: I know. And it's important to note too that the skull and the jaw were found together, which is unlikely in a case where a body has decomposed down to its skeleton form. So Dr. G, who was the medical examiner on this case, and she has a TV show and she's a popular figure. She pointed out that it's the first time she had ever seen that, where the skull and the jaw were found together. And it's likely because that duct tape was holding it together. So there was a lot, during the trial, there was a lot of back and forth. And the defense claimed that the piece of duct tape found, you couldn't prove that it was used to cover her mouth and nose. But the prosecution said that's the only way the skull and jaw could have been found together was if this this duct tape was holding it together all that time. Mm-hmm. And there was also an argument that there was no DNA found on the duct tape on the side that would have been stuck to Kaylee or the side that would have been pressed on by someone else. Like You would have expected to find DNA on either side of the duct tape. But Jeff Ashton's argument to that is that all that was left was skeleton. This body was placed out in a swampy area in the wet, humid heat of Florida mid-summer. And to assume that DNA could outstand all the tissue that had to have decomposed, that had to have provided that DNA, to assume that DNA could have withstood that is just... It's not possible. It's impossible. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's just what I wanted to say about the the duct tape. But um, it turns out that the laundry bag is one of a set that comes in a, it's like a, it comes in a pair and it's sold at Walmart. And the matching bag was found at the Anthony home without its counterpart. Also not surprising is the fact that Kaylee's bedroom was decorated with Winnie the Pooh. So the blanket presumably came from her bedroom. The duct tape also matched the duct tape that was found in the Anthony's garage that had been used on the gas cans. It had been used at the Anthony home, and it was found to be a perfect match. Meanwhile, investigators are working with Casey's car, and they find in the trunk of the car a stained spot on the trunk's liner. So they take a piece of that carpet for forensics, and they also find a few hairs that they collect as well. Under a microscope, the hairs match hairs found in one of Kaylee's hairbrushes, and they also discover banding near the root of the hair. This dark band indicated decomposition, as this particular band has only been seen in hairs that have remained in the scalp during the decomposition process. So this would have been evidence to confirm that Kaylee's body was in the trunk of that car after she passed, but before she was placed in the woods. So investigators also brought in cadaver dogs specifically trained to detect the unique scent of human decomposition and it alerted to multiple spots in the backyard first of all but it also alerted to the trunk of Casey's car. So real quick, I want to talk about the fact that it alerted to spots in the backyard. So Remember when I told you about Kaylee or Casey going next door to ask if she could borrow a shovel because she wanted to dig up some bamboo root that she kept tripping over in her backyard. Yes. Well, she ended up returning the shovel and there was a piece of disturbed ground in the backyard. But I think Casey started digging what she intended to be a grave for Kaylee then realized that it was probably either too hard to dig up that ground or it would have been too hard to conceal it from anyone ever noticing. So she gave up on that, returned the shovel and put Kaylee back in the trunk because she had parked her, she had backed in her car to the garage every time. So it. I think it's plausible to assume that Kaylee's body was in the trunk of that car for days and Casey was trying to decide how she was going to get rid of it. So at one point she thought she was going to bury it in the backyard and then squashed that plan, returned the shovel and ended up
2: do you think she dig dug the hole enough that then she set Kaylee in it and then she said, shit, have. I'm not going to do this, and that's why the, smell, the scent was there?
1: Right. That's what I think could have happened, yes. I think that would explain why the, do- the dogs hit on the backyard. Interesting. So also found in the trunk of her car were stained paper towels that contained fatty acids found in adipocere or grave wax, which is a waxy substance that the body creates dirty- during decomp, indicating that they may have been used, the the paper towels may have been used to clean up any residue left in the trunk of the car.
2: Again, not something that would just be there for the heck of it.
1: No, and there was this big argument that there was trash in the back of Casey's car. And even her parents tried to backtrack and say there was a bag of trash in the car. There was maggots all over it. That's why it stunk, and that's why... Why did the parents jump in and try to help? It's something I, I will probably never understand. And it was more so Cindy than George. But I think Cindy had this very codependent relationship with Casey and just desperately didn't want to lose her daughter knowing she already lost a granddaughter. But anyway, the reason I bring up the trash in the trunk is because the defense tried to argue that some of that waxy substance could have been left from fatty meat that was in the trash. But scientists said it would have had to be a super high concentrate of a fatty type of meat. like it, So it's just it was very unlikely. But anyway... So the samples of the trunk's carpet were sent off for testing, and they were tested by Dr. Arpad Voss. Dr. Voss put the carpet sample in a canister and allowed the fumes from the carpet to release into the can. Then he extracted the fumes and tested the sample. So in the simplest terms, he was able to test the air that came from the trunk. And since there were multiple reports of a smell coming from the trunk and this horrendous odor... This became evidence used in the trial because he was answering what that odor actually was. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Arpad Voss claims that through this novel scientific approach, he was able to detect chemical vapors that were consistent with decomposition, including abnormally high levels of chloroform, which led the prosecution to believe that Casey used chloroform to subdue her daughter and then place duct tape over her mouth to stop her breathing. I don't know if you remember this, but the searches on the computer included chloroform, how to make chloroform. Hmm. And then Cindy tried to say that it was her that made these searches because she was actually looking up chlorophyll. But it was proven that those searches were made on a day that Cindy was clocked in at work. <laughs> so, None
2: of it adds up.
1: There you have it. So during the trial, the prosecution laid out the evidence against Casey Anthony. It seemed like anyone with common sense could easily determine that she was responsible for Kaylee's death, but the defense was prepared to tear apart their theory, and in their opening statement, they dropped a bombshell that nobody saw coming. Casey's attorney, Jose Baez, told the jury that on June 16th, 2008, Kaylee drowned in the family swimming pool, and that it was George who covered it all up. He claimed that George berated Casey after finding Kaylee's body in the pool, and that it was him who discarded Kaylee's body in the same manner that they would discard family pets in the past, and that during... This time, he forced Casey to stay quiet about it, just like he forced her to be quiet about all the times he sexually abused her as a child. He only ever brought it up during the opening statements, and then never throughout the rest of the trial did it ever come back up that he sexually abused Casey, that there was ever any proof or anything. He literally only said it in his opening statement.
2: And so... Then Casey can say, "Yes, I knew he, I knew Kaylee was dead." Yes. And what is George doing during this, this statement?
1: He's sitting in the audience as a witness that he was allowed to sit in the pews, but. There is a very strict policy when it comes to jury procedures that if you are sitting in the audience, you cannot have any kind of emotional reaction or outbursts or it will get you removed and you can actually be charged with being held in contempt of court or you can be charged for making any kind of outbursts during a trial. So he's just silent, stone-faced? He had to sit quietly and listen while Jose Baez said that... From a young age, Casey had to get used to going to school after having her dad's penis in her mouth and act like everything was just fine. And that's why she was able to act like nothing was wrong for those 31 days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So during the trial, the prosecution brought forth witnesses who testified to Casey being completely carefree during the 31 days that Kaylee was missing, never once mentioning that she was gone. They also brought in Dr. Arpad Voss to discuss his findings about the the chemicals in the trunk of Casey's car. They elaborated on the chloroform and the duct tape being clear weapons in the case and that without the duct tape, there would be no other manner to consider other than homicide because you would not need to place duct tape over the little girl's mouth if if it was simply a drowning accident. The medical examiner, Dr. G, was also brought in to testify to that regard as well. The prosecution seemingly left no stone unturned when it came to the mountain of evidence against Casey. But then came the defense. Jose Baez all but chastised Dr. Arpad Vas for what he called junk science regarding the odor testing from the trunk, See, this was a new type of testing never before offered in a court of law, and Jose jumped at the opportunity to plant seeds of doubt in the jury because of that, even though Dr. Voss did a great job of explaining the science behind his testing, a testing that he dedicated his whole life, his whole career to.
2: So quick question, Mm -hmm. wouldn't the autopsy show pretty clearly if somebody drowned?
1: So- It would if there was tissue left behind, but because all there was was a skeleton, there was no lungs, there was no other organs to determine determine exactly how she died. So there's a manner of death and there is a cause of death the medical examiner's job is to determine both of those so the manner of death can either be homicide suicide natural or accident in this case we know that her death is a homicide because a body doesn't just end up in the woods with duct tape on its on its skeleton But we don't know the cause of death as far as was it drowning, was it strangulation, was it overdose, was it smothering? It could have been a number of things. So that ends up being undetermined. But if there were organs, they could have probably determined if it was an accident, if it was drowning or whatever it was. Lungs
2: would have been full of chloroform, something like that.
1: Lungs, yeah, or would have been full of water or it would have showed some sort of sign to determine the cause. Okay. So that is a good question. So um, back to Dr. Voss and Jose Baez essentially undermining his entire career. Not only did he do that to Dr. Voss, he also chastised those cadaver dogs, saying that that is also a junk science, that there's no scientific standard to which those dogs can possibly be held. It's not a 100% foolproof science, which in my mind, I'm thinking you can't get much more accurate though i mean i think it's something you can rely on because these dogs are so highly trained but all you had to do was plant a seed of doubt to say well they're they're a animal they they can make mistakes you know i was going to say they're human they're obviously not human mm-hmm. but like animals can make mistakes so <clears throat> He used that in his defense, and then he also used George Anthony's own suicide attempt against him. After Kaylee was found, George attempted suicide, and he left a note behind before he was rescued by concerned family members at a hotel. In his note, he is obviously completely shattered by the loss of Kaylee, and the horror that his family has faced over the last six months. At one point in the letter, he writes, quote, I blame myself for her being gone, end quote, which out of context, the defense twisted to look like it was an admission of guilt. But in reality, he was writing how he felt like he had failed his whole family. I just thought it was such a disgusting move on the defense's part. And when they brought George Anthony on the stand to discuss his attempt and this letter, He sat there bawling, falling apart, and Casey watched, completely emotionless, and that to me speaks volumes, because let's not forget how lovey-dovey she was towards him during the jail phone calls. She would reassure him that he was always the best dad and the best grandpa, and to not for a second feel like any of this was his fault. She would always be excited to see him, and you could tell that she wanted to be loved by her dad. And I really think it is just as simple as that. I know there's going to be some people out there to be like, well, that's how an abused person acts. But I I just don't believe it. I don't see it. I don't believe that there's truth to that.
2: I mean, all the lies Casey's told, how could anybody believe her? That's why I'm still sitting here like, how did the jury not, how did they go for this shit?
1: So during closing arguments, the prosecution painted a picture and told a story of a young Casey Anthony who found it impossible to reconcile the life she wanted and the life that was forced upon her that the only person who benefited from Kaylee being gone was her. When it came time for the defense to present their closing arguments, Judge Belvin Perry told Jose Baez he was not allowed to bring up any accusations of sexual abuse as there was no proof and it never came up again after opening statements. So in an effort to ensure a fair trial, he was instructed not to bring up any sexual abuse allegations at the hands of George Anthony. So instead, he asked questions to the jury that the prosecution couldn't answer without a single doubt. How did Kaylee die? When exactly did she die? And by whose hands did she die? None of those could be answered with absolute certainty. Sure, you could use common sense to reach a reasonable conclusion, but you couldn't say without a shadow of a doubt, with absolute certainty what exactly happened? Because nobody knows except for Casey. So instead, he showed the jury a picture of Kaylee opening the sliding glass door by herself, proving, according to him, that Kaylee snuck out and got into the pool by herself, drowning by accident. On July 5th of 2011, the jury announced that they had a verdict after it only took 10 hours and 40 minutes, which is not a very long time. And that is a usually a red flag. How
2: long are they normally?
1: So usually if a jury comes up with a verdict that fast, you can tell which way they're going. So if a jury or if a trial seems obviously in favor of the defendant or obviously in favor of the other way and the jury doesn't take much time, then you can safely or comfortably assume that you know what their verdict is. And so I think everybody in this in the case, the country
2: thought, okay, guilty.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they were like, ooh, okay, this is the and moment. Everybody has
2: to agree, right?
1: Everyone it has to be unanimous.
2: And so do they like get together and like
1: Yes. So the jury is put into a room, and there's usually a foreman of the jury that like announces what the verdict is. But during that time that they are in this room, they are placed. They're they're set with all of the evidence and all the facts of the case. If they have any questions, they can ask the judge, and then the judge asks the lawyers to present whatever the answer is to their question. Um, and the the plaintiff or the defendant has the right to be there for that, um, but. If there's any questions, they let the judge know. And if they come to a standstill where there's even one person saying, I'm not going to budge on this. I disagree with all 11 of you. I'm the 12th one that can't seem to agree. Then it's a hung jury and it's declared a mistrial and they start all over. How in the hell did that not happen? I don't get it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So Casey Anthony was found not guilty on the charges of first-degree murder, manslaughter, and child abuse. They found her not guilty on all of those. She was only found guilty of four misdemeanor counts for lying to the police when they were searching for Kaylee, and she was released 10 days after the trial was over because she was credited for time served. A month after the verdict, one male juror spoke with People to like people the magazine to explain his take on what happened he said generally none of us liked casey anthony at all she seemed like a horrible person but the prosecutors did not give us enough evidence to convict they gave us a lot of stuff that makes us think she probably did something wrong but not beyond a reasonable doubt end quote
2: that's not where you're going to end it right
1: no. Okay, no. good. I mean... You're going to
2: talk about the Jose Baez blowjobs and stuff? <laughs> Are you going to talk about that?
1: Yes, but how did you remember that of everything, out of because everything? Because
2: I'm a guy. <laughs> because anybody know if you heard that, you remember it. like?
1: So, yes, I'm going to get to that in a second. After the trial, Casey was appropriately dubbed the most hated woman, the most hated mom in America, and had a hard time staying under the radar despite her best efforts. She was sued by AccuSearch, the team that helped search for Kaylee. She ultimately settled with them for an undisclosed amount. She was also sued by Zenaida Gonzalez, although that case was dismissed, like I said. And then Casey ended up filing for bankruptcy because she was drowning in debt at this point. In the bankruptcy filings, it was revealed through Dominic Casey, who served as a private investigator for the defense and represented Casey's parents, that Casey was paying her defense team by giving Jose Baez sexual favors, that he on more than one occasion would walk into Jose's office to find Casey in there naked. And then he also overheard Jose telling Casey one time after he canceled an interview for Casey that now she owed him three blowjobs. But she alleged that she had no other way to pay for her defense. Like that's what Dominic Casey said, Casey said, But both Casey, Anthony, and Jose Baez, of course, emphatically deny that any of this ever happened. Of course they do, blah, blah, blah. Dominic Casey also revealed that Jose knew Casey murdered Kaylee and was trying to come up with a story to cover it. So at one point, Dominic Casey was watching all the coverage for the search for Kaylee and he saw a drone shot of the Anthony's backyard with the pool and the ladder still attached to it. So he came up with this drowning theory with Jose Baez and that's how they came up with the idea that Kaylee climbed up the ladder and drowned accidentally in the pool. Cindy believes that it was an accident and that Kaylee accidentally drowned. But if that were the case, why not call 911?
2: You can tell by her whole demeanor on the calls and everything that she knows she's missing. Mm -hmm. And she's scared because she's missing.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, what this comes down to is if it were truly an accident, why didn't you just call 911? Mm -hmm. Period. That's it.
2: Nobody would be in trouble
1: exactly why go to all this trouble to hide it all why discard her body like it was trash why party for 31 days smiling and getting tattoos that say beautiful life it, it doesn't make any sense the only why reason make up all
2: the stories about working at universal and I mean, all and that's why like make, a whole
1: nother thing but, but why make
2: up all the people
1: exactly because the truth was too hard of a pill to swallow for casey George, however, does not believe it was an accident. He believes that Casey probably gave Kaylee something, and Kaylee never woke up. So to hide what she had done, she discarded Kaylee's body in the woods less than a mile away from their home. So
2: George doesn't publicly say, yeah, she drowned.
1: No. Okay, good. No. He did backtrack a little bit on the smell of the car. Like, I think part of him during the trial before he found out you know, what Casey was going to, like, there was times during depositions that I think he tried to backtrack on admitting that he thought Casey might be guilty. Mm -hmm. But then during the trial after Jose Baez accused him of sexually abusing his own daughter, I think he was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to say what I really feel. And it's that none of this makes sense. And I do think Casey is guilty of something. Are
2: Cindy and George still together? Yes, they are.
1: Uh, That's... They are. And you know, it amazes me. They're all a screwed
2: up family then. I mean, they're all nuts. Austin,
1: you're preaching to the choir. Everyone's, everyone feels this way. It's a very emotionally, I don't know. It's a fuck up. It's a very odd. Cindy's going to say, oh
2: yeah, that's what happened. And George is going to say, right on.
1: They've had no babe. They've had interviews on multiple different networks where they both disagree And they're sitting right next to each other. They disagree on what happened. But at the end
2: of the day, we just go to bed next to each other and act like it doesn't matter. It's just a life.
1: I mean, it's crazy to me to know that they at one point considered divorce over much less. And now their daughter is an accused killer of their own granddaughter. And they disagree on how their granddaughter died because one of them believes their own daughter is culpable And that's not enough reason for divorce? Like, that blows my mind. So
2: does Casey and her dad still have a
1: relationship? No, absolutely not. But Casey and her mom do. So Casey and her mom did keep in touch after all of this happened. But it was very, like, sporadic, and it, it was never the same. And now, with this new documentary coming out, from what I understand, they do not have a relationship. Casey does not talk to her parents or any of her family. She's been spotted out at bars multiple times.
2: Does she still go by Casey Anthony? Yes. Why would you not change your name?
1: I don't know. People would probably still recognize her.
2: And so she goes out, and people talk to her, and...
1: I mean, yeah, she, she's living in Florida,
2: I hate her. So she could listen to this.
1: Yeah, she could. She's do you think she watch listens her. to
2: anything like this?
1: I don't know. I, you know, part of me thinks that she does because she's just that narcissistic. Yeah. But, and I mean, now she's got this documentary coming out, but.
2: We got to do another part after we watch the documentary when it's fresh and talk about what we thought of the documentary.
1: For sure. I will. Um, oh, you
2: will. What about me?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we will I'm the co-host damn
1: it. for sure we will Austin I'm sorry so I just want to end with this personally I believe Casey is a cold-blooded narcissist who wanted to be free from the trappings of motherhood I believe she saw her friends of the same age living a life that she wanted and she saw Kaylee as a hindrance to those opportunities so she took matters into her own hands removing the one roadblock that was in her way Casey Anthony is a pathological liar who has told so many lies since the day she started talking. I don't even think she knows what the whole truth is anymore. And now 14 years after the murder of her daughter, she's releasing this Peacock documentary to try and appeal to a new generation of young people who may not be familiar with her case. A new generation of true crime armchair detectives who sometimes tend To lean towards the unbelievable things, making just about anything make sense just for the sake of a story. But at the end of the day, I want to remind you of Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor is this idea or theory that in trying to understand something, getting unnecessary information out of the way is the fastest way to the truth or to the best explanation. The simplest explanation is likely the most true. And the simplest explanation here is that Casey Anthony is a liar and a monster. And I'll see you next Tuesday.
2: No, no, we're not done yet.
1: Oh, oh, I, I'm okay. not
2: done. Did you send it? No. Okay, good. I'm I mean, not done. Relax. Real, okay, it was a really good ending, but I got questions still.
1: What's your question, Austin?
2: Does Casey Anthony have a job?
1: Last I knew, she was working as a freelance photographer. As Taking say, pictures of families holding babies. Who on earth is letting her around oh, their shit. children? I need I need answers. I need names and I need answers.
2: No joke. Okay, I was curious because who the hell would hire? Was this Jose Baez's first big case?
1: It was the case that put him on the map. And yes.
2: now he's now he's a big timer?
1: I mean, I don't know that he's a big timer. I haven't really heard much about Jose Baez since this case. I think this is his like one claim to fame. But one thing I know about Jose Baez is that when he started out, he before he became a lawyer, he was like a he tried to start a bikini business. and he was going to sell bikinis online. And then he became a lawyer. And I think, You know, a lot of people go into the profession for various reasons. Either they go in because they seek truth and justice or they see the business, the money opportunity. Right. And I think that is the route that Jose took. And I think it's evidenced by this whole case.
2: Yeah. Okay. The next thing, you have all of these days evidenced, like the 30 days episode we just did. Yes. Okay. And I know you do a ton of research and it's all out there. How are these days So detailed out there? Like, who detailed them?
1: So, a lot of this was compiled from depositions from her friends phone records, okay. camera.
2: Okay, all that makes sense. I was yeah. just like, I was thinking like, who who is figuring all this out? Because like if you asked me what I did 17 days ago at 2 o'clock, mm-hmm. but like these are so detailed. But okay, that makes sense. Phone yeah. records, cameras. It's,
1: yeah, it's a lot of what investigators and detectives pieced together from all the various people in her life.
2: It's wild mm-hmm. that you could piece it together that detailed. Mm-hmm. And then we don't know if she's making any money off this Peacock thing, but we assume so. I
1: assume she is. Um, I don't know. Is I she, assume does she, is. she
2: is. she on social media? No. I would think not. No. Is she in a relationship?
1: I've seen various TikToks of her allegedly in relationships with men. Like I saw this TikTok of this girl that was like, oh, you think my ex is crazy? My ex is dating Casey Anthony. And there's like pictures of her with this man that she was apparently dating. I'm sure she has dated, I don't know who's dating her, but Mm -hmm. obviously, some people, some men out there do find her attractive. So,
2: where does she live in Florida? What city? I don't know. I just don't want to ever go there. (laughs) (laughs) I hate her.
1: We'll still, we will steer clear of her, but just know that if we ever cross paths with her, I am liable to go off. How
2: has nobody ever killed her?
1: That's a really good question, or, like, or, or like even beat just her like up
2: or something, punched her in her face. Yes.
1: So shortly after, well, not shortly after; it was a while after the trial. There was a video that went viral from a body cam footage of a police officer <sighs> responding to an incident at a bar where Casey had called nine one one. She called
2: nine one one. She was in trouble, didn't she?
1: Yes, because a girl threw a drink on her, and this girl was like harassing her because they dated the same guy, who, by the way, was a police officer. I cannot make this stuff up. And I know way too much, obviously. I'm obsessed. But Casey apparently was dating this police officer, and this police officer's ex was giving Casey a hard time at a bar, threw a drink on her, so Casey called to file a police report.
2: And did they come out there?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I
2: can't believe nobody's ever, like, clobbered her.
1: But that's the thing. I can't believe nobody has just beat her ass. Same, same. She's at bars especially all the time. Like she's not just like strolling the aisles at target. Like that would surprise me if somebody just like attacked her at a target, but she's at bars where people are, you know, bound liable to get a little drunk and unruly. How is it that she's never had probably a broken Probably because the nose? people at the bars
2: <laughs> don't listen to these podcasts and the people walking through target do. She's Everybody probably more knows. likely to get mauled in target.
1: <laughs> mauled in target by a mom with her Starbucks.
2: By a true crime mom.
1: It's going to be me. Yeah. Just kidding. It's not going to be me. I did not just say that on a recorded line.
2: Oh my gosh. Mama, (laughs) mystery,
1: out. It's going to be me.
2: Don't say that. It's
1: going to be me. Stop. What are you
2: going to do when Baez listens to this shit? I got time for that. I don't know. Mama, mystery, out.
1: Bye.